This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, a fourth home game without a loss. First time in nearly 18 months. Three more goals. Life's all rosy, isn't it, Michael? It is, mate. Why were we ever worried, eh? <laughs> yeah. I thought, what did I tell you? What's all the fuss about? <laughs> uh, yeah, how we... are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good. I've um, been very, very busy at work. Uh, didn't go to the game last night. I was absolutely knackered. I'd gone and work early and I'd done like 12, 13 hours and in front of a computer... It's not physically exhausting, but it's mentally exhausting. So, um, yeah, I was done. Trying to get through the game alone was hard enough. So I, I came out of that and, um, well, yeah, it was a, a very comfortable win, wasn't it, really? I mean, Huddersfield, one of the worst teams I've seen down here for a long time. But, um, yeah, we, we, were, we were comfortable, weren't we? Yeah, you were thankful to Sky's red button service. Yeah, that's right. Sky's yes. red button service, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, yeah, they were, they were really bad, they were really poor side, but I do wonder, because we keep saying this, and I do wonder whether we are that kind of team, when we play well, and, and we're on our game, it makes the opposition, it takes the opposition off their game and makes, you know, so we make the opposition look bad, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, there's definitely an element to that, I mean, you know, you, you can't be good, unless you actually have have an impact on the game and put some pressure on. And, you know, they had the, the opening first, you know, six or seven minutes, um, maybe 10 if, if you want to really push it. Um, but kind of besides that, as soon as we got a foothold in the game, we we started to get some set pieces and we're, we're obviously really rattling them. Um, you know, as soon as they realised that, oh, crap, we've got a problem with these set pieces, uh, it was kind of like a bit of a mental block. It was almost, oh, no, here we go again. We're in for a hard night. And then we got that goal and... Um, I just think, like most teams who don't win, their confidence was just sapped away. And yeah, I mean, they didn't have a shot on target all game. So it says everything you need to know. Mixture of them being a really poor team that I think even Warnock isn't going to be able to save. Um, and us playing 4-3-3, for crying out loud. Well, yeah, I mean, if we want to start at the beginning, that was the first sort of drama, wasn't it? The, the team sheet landing and everyone... <laughs> Is Jacob Brown going to be right wing back, or or, or are we actually looking at four three three here? And uh, well, yeah, yeah. The, the long awaited change of formation. Um, again, I mean, we, we sort of said, didn't we? We didn't feel that maybe Jagielka was the manager thought he could trust him in a two, but 
he did a good job last night, especially seeing as you know his second game in four days. Yeah, he's he's clearly still a very fit bloke for his age, isn't he? Um, <laughs> what I did love, and you know, it was so visible, especially actually being on, you know watching it on TV, is how much he was marshalling. There was there was a moment where the ball was played out, and um, you know Tyrese was speaking to the bench, and very different people were speaking to the bench, and you've got Jagielka literally going through several players, directing them, giving them instructions. You know, he's even giving Dwight Gale, who's an experienced professional, he's giving Dwight Gale, you know, instructions, and that's where his off the field, in some respects, I guess, kind of experience really comes in. So whatever he was saying, it might have just been Luke, we we're one nil up, let's just try and hold this for a bit whatever instructions he's doing you can't buy experience like that you've either got it or you haven't yeah i think it's fair to say that i mean the games come that thick and fast it's easy to forget isn't it you know what before jagelka came into the side because let's remember the first quarter of this season he wasn't really featuring was it it was aiden flint no and i remember i can remember us having this conversation of his first game back in the side and when Flint was dropped, I think it was after the Watford game and Jagielka came back in. I think we said, what a difference he just had of someone like Jags just standing there and just directing traffic. What a difference it makes to the side. Yeah, yeah. He, again, mate, he's he's not just a, a level-headed guy. You know, the goal, that, I mean, think, think about his goal. I mean, I don't know about you, but it seemed to take forever to go in, that did. Uh, it took, what, two defenders and a goalkeeper to try and stop it, and they couldn't do it. It was peculiar. I mean, uh, my, my friend um, at work, he spoke to him after the game, and even he was like, you know, he asked him, that, that took a while going. He says, yeah, about three hours. Um, so like, <laughs> They seem to take it's, each other out as well, don't they? You're like all clambering over each other to stop it going in, and it just looped, and it was, it was either perfectly judged or just... A great stroke of, of luck, but we'll give him the first one, I think. So perfectly judged header into the far corner. Well done, Jags. <laughs> I mean, you're being very generous there. I think <laughs> he's he's put it into an area that he knows he, try, he needs to try and attack the ball, and it's just worked out. But, you know, again, how, how much of that is experience and he knows how much weight to put on that cross and bits like that you don't know but let, let's go with you mate let's let's give him some credit i suppose i was going to say he's probably thinking as well uh you know it gives the opportunity if not for him to score but somebody else to come across and uh, you know power it in from two or three yards out don't it, as it goes back exactly. across um what i will say though in the corners well smallbone i don't believe i've seen him taking many corners this season he was he was on it last year. I think we've had a lot of Baker corners, haven't we? We've obviously had Selena ones recently. We've had a lot of Jordan Thompson corners. I, I'm not particularly. Sure. I don't remember um, seeing many Will Smallbone set pieces, but they were pretty good deliveries last night. Yeah, uh, you know, Will. I give him a little bit of stick this season, and, and I still stand by that. I think at times he's he has looked poor, but you you can't fault the guy's recent effort. You know, he's pointing himself all over the pitch, as you said, his set pieces, probably the fact that, you know, Baker's been playing and overshadowing his ability on on set pieces. But um, maybe it's a, a bit of a, you know, a happy accident. You know, he's had to drop Baker and it's OK, right, guys, let's try and practice some set pieces. Realise actually Christ Smallbone can really deliver across here. And there we go. We've just stumbled across it. Um, because yeah, even if Baker's playing and Smallbone's playing with him, you think they might mix it up a little bit. You know, Baker would take one, then Smallbone, or they choose a, a, a you know a side each, and 
clearly that's not the case. So, yeah, absolute credit to him. He's been running his backside off recently. Um, and, you know, he's... He's never he's never in a position for me where it looks like he can he can strike one from the edge of the box or anything like that. But uh, again, our game clearly is built around pressure. You can see that um, every time they got the ball, we were chasing him down. And you know he oh, he's, he's not a headless chicken, but he, he's he, he's there. He's all over the place. So yeah, he, mate, he's he's really impressed me recently. Um, so. Well, I'm, again, I'm not holding my hands up because I still stand by what I said earlier in the season, but. He is doing more than good enough to stay in this team right now. Yeah, and I think maybe it is the fact that he's got some competition now and some big competition in, um, in obviously, Selena and that. And, obviously, Baker's now on the bench, so he's going to be wanting to get back in the side. That might just be what's pushing Smallbone on. Um, plus, I think I think we've said a couple of times this season, it's easy to forget. This is his first proper season, just because he's a little bit older in his early 20s. This is his first proper season as a player who's expected to come in and perform. You know, he's been at Southampton. He's not been out on loan before. He's rarely been used by Southampton. He's had a lot of injury issues, hasn't he, and illness issues over you know, the past few years. So... You know, it's, it's a new environment to him, and it, maybe it's just took him a few months just to settle in and learn with him. Um, but yeah, he's definitely on the up. Um, and another player that you know that's probably on the up. Hopefully, I believe it was Tyrese Campbell last night. I thought he had a good game. Yeah, although reading some of the posts online, mate, you think he just murdered somebody. Like you've said it several <laughs> times this year. The stick that sometimes people were giving him stick. You know that ball where he's played it through the player's legs and tried to run round. You've seen Stick um, say, oh, we should have tried to beat his man quicker. I mean, for God's sake, get off your agenda. Stop being bloody ridiculous. Like, yeah, okay, at times, maybe he could have made a different decision. He could have crossed the ball in a little bit sooner. But to keep, we just won 3-0. And for some people's first reaction is to, you know, slug off Tyrese Campbell. Uh, mate, I, I, I don't get some people, right? He was perfectly fine. If anything, Jacob Brown was the weak link last night, not Tyrese Campbell. So, no, I'm sorry. People have got agendas. If you, if you know, Joe Allen's gone. Okay, we need a new boo boy. Oh, Tyrese is one of them. Let's go with him. It, it feels like that, and it might not be like that, but it certainly feels like it. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you're right there, and um, I know you know. I've I've, I've been a, a supporter of Ty. I mean, I'll be honest. At the weekend, even I said you know he had a poor game and deserved to be taken off after an hour. Um, but you know, all players have a good game. You know, they're not Lionel Messi's. That's why we're in the championship. <laughs> um, but I thought he bounced back really well last night. And there was there's a few comments from people who I usually see, you know, who aren't happy with his performances week to week. Who even they were saying last night, you know, really improved. I was on the ball. Um, you know, but a performance closer to what we should be expecting from him. So, you know, I think if they can do it, then like you say, the ones who aren't. Maybe just need to think. You know, is there anything he can do that <laughs> where they wouldn't be slagging him off? Do you think there's a, a an element of formation coming into how well Tyrese plays? So when he's you know when he's actually playing the true four three three, and it's more about his you know attacking ability as opposed to having to track back. Do you think that's got a part a part to play in his performances? Yeah, I, th- I think, and he's in the front three. I think he can stand a man up more, can't he, out wide? He can, he's got yeah. more concentrate. He's got a direct opponent, if you know what I mean, in the, in the fullback. Rather than, he, as, as a central striker, there's a lot more jobs you've got to do. You know, you can get, come shorter. You've 
Um, you know, you've you've got there's two centrals basically because the, the way they're playing, uh, you've got to occupy between the fullback and the central half. You've got to be pressed. Whereas in a in a three, like I say, he's but so you've got a one on one battle anti with a fullback, and yeah. that fullback didn't want anything to do with him last night. He got booked. He was subbed off. You know, after about half an hour or so with an injury, and then the guy came on after he didn't want anything either. <laughs> so to, you know. That that says it all, doesn't it? You know, the, the about um, Campbell and that. And there was two or three times where he was just literally just pulled back, pulled back by his shirt, pulled back from around <laughs> his neck. And that's the thing. You know, you can say, oh well, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, what does he create from them chances? But he's instead, you know, we've got like free kicks and stuff instead. So I think, like I say, it's it's a positive step. It's not the end result. Um, Let's hope you know he needs to back it up, doesn't he? We need a good run of games from him now. Hopefully, in this formation, that that we can see the best of him. Um, so yeah, let's hope that he backs it up at Blackpool on Saturday. Yeah, I hope so. I think it, the the problem we've got, I mean, not maybe not for Blackpool, but obviously when Timon comes back, is it just too convenient to switch back to the fullbacks, um, regardless of how well we're playing? I mean, you'd hope that. If we went to Blackpool and won two 0 or Christ three 0 or something again, surely it's hard to revert back to a, a back five again, regardless of what happens. Like the, the old age ad, adage of you don't change a winning side. Um, I would, however, would replace Fox for Timon, despite Fox having a good season. I would still have that. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. You you might disagree with that, but. I still think when you put them side by side, despite the fact that time is more of a wing back and you do question his defensive side sometimes, I still think that, you know, we're finding ourselves further up the pitch on a number of occasions. And I think Timon's delivery would probably add a bit more to that steal. Um, Fox looked a little bit shaky at times last night uh, and he's, he's always got a mistake in for me, Morgan, but um, probably been a bit harsh. He's had, he's had a good season, I suppose, in fairness, but um, yeah, for me, Fox's distribution is what lets him down and is an attacking sense. And it depends. If we're at home, Josh Time has definitely got to start because we should be looking to be getting on the front foot. And even your fullbacks in a 4 3 3 can be joining the attack. And you definitely want Josh Time and over Morgan Fox in that scenario. And the issue, the thing that Josh has also got going for him, if he does make a mistake, he's got the pace to get back and rectify it, Anti, and make up for that mistake. Um, whereas Morgan Fox is a little bit more solid, but he's he's sort of six out of ten across the board, isn't he? That's, that's sort of Morgan Fox. Maybe a seven, 7.5 defending, and probably a five when it comes to going forward in his distribution. But he sort of averages you know, sixes. Um, whereas, obviously, Josh... He's got that bit more flair, anti, and there's a bit more. Um, how should we say, like you know, possibility the, the possibilities with Josh on the side are, are are better. Like you know, you've got more chance of creating a goal, you know, assist and whipping a ball in. And like I say, if he does make a mistake, for me, he's got that one thing that defenders, you know, that, that come in handy for defenders who are prone to mistakes, and that's pace. Look at someone like a Kyle Walker makes a mistake, his his pace is, gets him out of trouble, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and like I say, let let's see what what he does um, when we have the scenario of the fullbacks or potential fullbacks coming in. 
Um, and I guess one guy, which I may be preempting what you you might ask me in a minute, but um, one guy we've got to give complete credit to here, Ben Pearson. I thought he was an absolute rock in the middle of that midfield. Like, if I mean, I know Alex Neil said that's him at sixty percent. Well, if that's him at sixty, I can't <laughs> wait to see him at a hundred because he he did exactly what um, was said of him in the week. He will spot different areas of the pitch where he can spot danger and he will get himself in a position to cut that danger out. Now, yes, that involved getting a yellow card last night for a kick to try and stop an, at- an attack, which you know you'll take that um, in in the right scenarios. But he just seemed to be, again, a bit everywhere. And my, my initial concern, and I'm sure everyone was the same, when he goes down in that first couple of minutes, and it might not have been a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds maybe, but I think everyone thought, oh, no, not now. We've just literally got you in, and you're going to go off on an injury. But he shrugged it off, but he, he, he was great, wasn't he? Oh, fantastic. I mean, I remember a few years ago, uh, people of a certain age might remember that we used to run out to a song by the Hives. Uh, do you remember that song, Mike? I do. Do you, want to, do you want to give us a little sing song, mate? Yeah, I believe the words went, I hate to say I told you so, <laughs> but I'm gonna. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's fantastic, isn't he? I, I, you know, he's, he made Preston take him in. We heard from Steve, did we, at Preston a few weeks ago when we signed him. And he was saying, you know, he, he couldn't praise him high enough, could he, as to the impact that he'd had at Deepdale um, under Alex Neal. And you can see why why he's gone in for him again and brought him in at the first opportunity he's had. Um, you can probably also see why Ben wanted to come and play for Alex Neal again. Because obviously they've got that relationship from Preston and he's gone straight in there. And it's as if he knows exactly what his job is straight away, which also helps when you're revamping 75% of the squad over the next 12 months is to have players who can come in and know what the manager wants from them straight away. Yeah, and I think a large element of, of what he does also inspires confidence, mate, for the for the defence and, you know, the goalkeeper. And I think Sarkic is, as well has not had that much to do. I think the fact he's been commanding and speaking to his defence a lot, that inspires confidence. Then the defence have got the confidence in front of them that if they make a mistake or, you know, there's danger... Ben's going to be there to clear that up. You can't underestimate the indirect effect somebody like that has on the team, I don't think. No, not at all. And like I say, it gives somebody to base. The midfield can then prosper. The other midfielders, you know, your Lorenz, your Bakers, Smallbones, Thompsons, they can all prosper going forward. Even your fullbacks, like we say, and Josh Timing comes in. Ben Pearson's the kind of player who, you know, if, if Timing bombs forward, Ben Pearson will be there covering for him. It's it's all Jeremy. You know I mean? He'll be sorting out the the back line, sorting out the the, the midfield. You probably even tell the strikers what they should be doing. He, I think I think you've probably looking at a future Stoke captain there, if Alex Neil's around in six twelve months time. Um, yeah, I mean I, I do hope he is blinking back a bit. If he isn't, something's gone seriously wrong. But um, oh, you know this club. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, th- I think he is. And I mean, Lewis is, I mean, Christ, Lewis might not even be here in six to 12 months if, if his performances don't improve, because you get the feeling that Alex Neal is, gives people a chance. But as soon as you find somebody who's, who's better and can replace you, you're going to have to really work your backside off to get back in. So yeah, Lewis has got to be careful. You know, he, he had a really decent end to the season last year. Um, and he has been very, 
you know what? I'd say below average, actually. I don't even think he's been an average midfielder at times. I do think he's really led a, a, you know, a lot to be desired about his performances. So I'm not surprised he's been dropped. Um, and it's unusual to drop your captain. So there's a, there's a bit of a message going out there. Um, so he, he's going he's gonna to have to be very, very careful. Smallbone's doing well. He's doing well. Josh Loren, uh, you know, playing a 4-3-3 or three in the middle, regardless of how you want to work it. There's not going to be much room for for Baker in there, so there's going to have to be really, really careful. Yeah, his days could be very quickly numbered, especially if we've got money to spend in the summer. Now you see, I wonder whether, and I I, don't, I have no nothing to base this on other than like previous sort of experiences. But I I've known in the past when you see a, a, a top footballer one of the best players in your team, and then they go underperforming for a long period of time. And they, it comes out in the wash, doesn't it, at the end of the season, it's, oh, he's going to go in for an operation, he's been carrying this niggle for seven months. Or he's been carrying you know, a little a hernia or a strain or something. He's been hampering him, but he's been soldiering on. And you wonder to yourself, has he been, is there something like that going on? And is the manager thinking, why he's got the opportunity, why he's got... Th- other midfielders fit is you leaving him on the bench to try and see if rest can sort of fix an issue I could say it just it would explain I'm not I mean like I said I don't know he might just be bang out of form who knows <laughs> um, but it would explain something like that because I know it's, it's like I say it's happened a few times in the past I know especially when like um, when Tony was here and that and we'd have You'd have sort of like Glenn Wheeler and people would be slagging him off or whatever, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh yeah, he's, he's had to go for this operation. He's been playing with this injury, and you think, oh right, Christ, well no wonder he's not been playing very well. He's you know his knee's been hanging off for six months. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe maybe it's something like that. But either way, whether it's that or whether it's um, competition is going to bring him back up. Let's hope that we get a, a fit and firing Lewis Baker back in the side soon. Or, of course, he doesn't get back in because everyone else has been so amazing. We're attacking the playoffs, you know, come May. And, uh, you know, there's there's no room. That'd be nice. But, obviously, I am in cloud cuckoo land by saying that. So, <laughs> Well, there, yeah, you never know. I mean, 10 boys have got 10 points. Um, obviously, he wasn't the only person making his debut last night. Apart from a couple of new names on the, uh, on the, the substitutes bench, a couple of young lads in Adabambo and Redding. Uh, two midfielders, we also had Axel Twanzibi got on the pitch for the first time, so I know he only had the last eight minutes, didn't really do much uh, but nice to see him fit and, and ready to, to play, mate Yeah, he was, he was a bit, he's a bit of a machine, isn't he? He's, he's, I told he's got, you! <laughs> he's got some bulk to him and I mean, you're spot on, he did nothing and that wasn't his fault I've, I don't know, was it eight minutes, like I said like I, yeah. I think uh, and again, in that scenario, we're attacking. We're not on the defensive. So it's um, it's one of them. He, he's had a few minutes run around. I mean, Emre Tezgal, same with him. You know, he, he came on. Don't even think he touched the ball, if I'm honest with you. Uh, oh, no, he did. He, there was a layoff that Tyrese gave to him, which he didn't. He couldn't do anything with. But um, either way, both of them get on the pitch. I would like to see longer. I guess the big question is, you know, does he come in for Jackie Elka? Um, I don't think he's going to drop Wilmot. Alex Neil clearly likes Wilmot. He, he very rarely get, gets him out of the team. So is this Jags's natural replacement longer term? And this, I don't know, again, don't want to be too doomsday about it, but maybe this is the, the beginning of the end for Jags if 
uh, Twanzibi can can come in and do well. You never know. Or maybe a return to three at the back at Blackpool. Maybe. Or <laughs> may, maybe. I mean, hopefully not. But I don't know. He's going to look at how they set up and see how best we can attack it. I just think we need yeah. to to go to Blackpool and just to you know the best form of defence is attack. I, I guess. Uh, one last thing from our end, um, Henry and Selena, the two left out. Now I believe um, he said obviously Henry picked up a bit of a knock at the weekend, didn't he? We, I think we, we said we noticed he went off holding his hamstring, mm-hmm. and I think apparently Selena has been feeling under the weather for the past week or so, which possibly explains why he wasn't in the team against Hull when there was all that outcry as well. Um, so yeah, maybe. Alex Neal doesn't hate him as much as some people maybe thought, and he's maybe just been a bit ill. Uh, but yeah, with obviously maybe with though even without those, are those was that the right decision for you? Then two two out of the seven to be left out. Yeah, I, you know I'm equally surprised by the fact we've not made any of them permanent to try and stop this headache. Um, we'd we'd have a little problem, I think, if we. I don't know if we've got another injury at kind of right back or right wing back, whatever you want to look at it. Uh, the only saving grace is, I guess, we've got, you know, if we've got Twanzibi on the bench, then we, we can always move Ben Wilmot to right back or right wing back and have him come in the middle. So I suppose we're a little bit more flexible there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it was, I think it's the right decision to drop Henry. Um, and there's, there's got to be a sacrifice elsewhere as well. So, yeah, no, no qualms for me on that. I think it was the right decision. Had we lost, maybe it wouldn't look, look so uh, rosy. But uh, yeah, it, you can't really complain too much about that. Yeah, and I mean, just to end on this, I mean, get get you anyone of sensitive, anyone who doesn't uh, like uh, swearing or anything, maybe turn away now because we've got Matt, our Huddersfield uh, supporting friend, who runs his own podcast, and he has sent us his review of the match from last night. He's a very passionate man, is Matt. Let's listen to what he's got to say. Oh, Dan, I can't believe you're making me do this. I thought we were (laughs) friends. Well, I guess you can now see the root of my depression, can't you? I fucking hate these bunch of tools masquerading as football shirts. I hate them. Last night was one of the most spineless and gutless performances that I've seen in the last 15 years, genuinely. You'd never know an ass kicker extraordinaire was on his way into the building. And maybe they thought, you know, one final toss-off before they have to work hard for the rest of the season. I don't know. I mean, the first five minutes were passable, weren't they? And, and then we got murdered by a Stoke team who were below par on the night. Um, you know, we got the old lead pipe by Colonel Mustard in the Britannia <laughs> Stadium treatment and... And look how bad the goals were. Phil Jagielka, who's almost as old as Neil Warnock, manages to out-jump the defence. The ball loops in towards the far post. No worries. We've got a keeper there who's played European football last season. He's got over 50 caps for the Czech Republic. I can only presume Thomas Vaslik was playing the Tin Man in the Christmas Panto Extraordinaire edition of Wizard of Oz and that useless stealing costume because I'd have saved that. Neil Warnock on his electric bicycle saves that. From there, it was capitulation and disgrace after disgrace. Not a single player took any accountability for what was happening on the field. They have a shot coming. So has Will Boyle, who's already had his cards marked after one of the most brain-dead sending-offs I've seen for ages. People clapped him off. They should have clapped him in handcuffs and shifted him off to Gainsborough for a level which befits his complete lack of any talent. But 
Anyway, I'm getting all riled up. But anyway, lads, I suspect we might not see each other for a little while. Stay safe, have fun, and all the best to Stoke. Yeah, so so we've just heard that for the first time, as you've heard it there. Um, I, 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 I warned you, he should be... I warned you, Mike. I said he, <laughs> he's a very passionate man, is Matt, and he's not very happy with the Mizzy. No, he's not, mate. He, he made you uh, cough halfway through that, I think, from laughter. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we, it's very rare. Normally, you know, we don't kind of record our reactions to this audio or anything like that. But, you know, it, you knew what was coming. Uh, well, we didn't know what was coming, but we knew what could come. And uh, I love how he's even bleeped himself out. Just, for, I, I wish we could claim that, but we didn't do that. <laughs> like, he's done that himself. Uh, and I think there must have been at least six or seven beeps. So that that is, uh, I've honest, that's probably some of the best piece of audio we've had all year. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm going to have the tears <laughs> from my eyes. Um, I sort of hope that, I, 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 for Matt's sake, I hope Neil Warnock gets a tune out of these players. <laughs> I think he needs to, they need an upturn in form for his sanity, don't they? <laughs> um, and yeah, so we might, we might just see them next year because I think if anyone can keep a team up, Neil Warnock can, can't he? So yeah, let's, I mean, just to round off this match then, play man of the match, who was your choice, Mike? Oh, you know what? Will Smallbone. Well, 250 votes. <laughs> 250 votes in our man of the match poll on Facebook. Uh, third place, Dujon Sterling with 9%. Second, Ben Pearson with 30, and Smallbone won with 37% of the vote. You know so, what? Yeah, good good shout to Sterling, because we both said he he looked really good last night again. Had he been in, obviously, a position in, you know, where it's more of a, um, you know, more of an attacking position, you could probably get more out of him, but, like, he was composed, he was good in defence, like... He, he he was really good, and obviously we've already talked about Smallbone and and Pearson, but yeah, Sterling had a really good game. He's 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 really settled in, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And that, now he's looking fitter. And I think Neil had his card marked early on, didn't he? As one of the best one-to-one defenders he'd ever sort of come across. And I think now we're seeing the more expansive side of his game as well, and the more attacking side. And he he looks settled. Whether that's because Clark's gone and the, he's, he's sort of got the, the positions his, I know he's got Henry around as well, but he's sort of, the, the shirt's his to lose at the minute, isn't it? And I don't think he's had that until recently in his entire time at Stoke. So let, let's just hope that, you know, he goes from strength to strength now and keeps himself fit more than anything. And you never know, he, he might be signing permanently in the summer or even before. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think that sort of rounds up. I mean, we could chat all day about a 3-0 home win, couldn't we? But let's let's move on into the news section, eh? So, news. So, I'm going to start off, Mike, with the under-18s. So, the under-18s, they had a 1-0 home win versus Wolves this week. So, Ali Ali Hayden scored a late winner in the 83rd minute. Uh, so, that was last Saturday. And this Saturday, they actually travelled to the Academy Stadium in Manchester to play Manchester City. 11.30 kickoff on Saturday. So top of the league, Man City, you know, as expected. Um, it'd be a tough game for them going up to there, mate. It will be, but again, all these things are, le- are learning curves. You know, if, you, if you're going to want to progress, you, you need to play against the better teams. What, what's the point in playing against a load of poorer average players? So, yeah, difficult game, but one that I'm sure they'll find some value of. Yeah, and I mean... 
we are fourth in the league, so you know we're having a pretty good season ourselves. And obviously, you know, you're thinking that there's some players in there as well. You know, you great your Jack Griffiths, who's been out injured. You know, Nathan Lowe's been, you know, in and out the sides because he's been with the 21s. Uh, you know, Emery Tesco. To be honest, Emery Tesco could be playing for the under 18s. So uh, as for the under 21s, obviously their season results-wise isn't going as well. Um, and they had a 1-0 away defeat to Aston Villa. So the 63rd minute goal was the deciding factor. Uh, there was no Tesgel, Lewis Macari or David Akagbu. We were all with the first team ready for the game against Hull because uh, this match was played last Friday night. This next week sees us host two teams from the northeast. So on Monday, uh, we play Middlesbrough with a 6pm kickoff at Clayton Wood. And then we return to the training ground on Friday. Uh, for a 7pm game against Newcastle United. So two home games there. Hopefully we can get a couple of uh, long-needed wins just to get a bit of confidence back for the for the young lads. Uh, the women themselves, now we mentioned, didn't we, last week that they had five successive league defeats um, going back until, I think it was November. Well, that ended on Saturday. We had a home game against Liverpool Feds and the girls run out, the ladies, sorry, run out 2-0 winners. Uh, Cara Jones scored uh, the right at the end of the first half and then Royce and Cavell sealed the match in injury time at the end of the second half. So two goals perfectly timed. Uh, yeah, so we've run out wind. And I've got another home game this Sunday. We play Derby, 2pm, uh, before we travel away to Wolves on Wednesday for a 7.45 kickoff at the Castlecroft Stadium. Well, hopefully the now, facilities my... are actually... Better there, Dan, than they were at Norton. That'd be uh, that'd be quite nice. Obviously, I know it, we kind of probably need to to say. I, I thought the uh, the pictures, obviously, doing the rounds. Um, not surprised it made its way into the Sentinel because there was around two hundred four thousand views on that last time uh, that I looked. And I think Norton have actually come out and apologised because uh, I think they've said that actually this was Norton's fault, not Stoke's fault. Um, obviously, you know Stoke paid to. To hire the facilities and the the you know the pitch and all that business, but Norton are the ones who are actually responsible for the facilities. So, um, yeah, I think they've come out in the Sentinel by the looks of it and apologised. So I think it was worth just um, bringing that up because yeah, it's pretty abysmal. So Norton need to sort that out. Uh, I know people have been asking for them to maybe play at Clayton Woods and stuff like that. I believe it's not possible. Um, I don't know the politics behind it, but. Sounds like it's not possible. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's not going to be a common occurrence because, again, you know, women's football has obviously taken a, a a big jump in recent times, so they really shouldn't be having to play in them facilities. The pitch, I believe, is really good, but um, they shouldn't have to deal with that. So, yeah, sort it out, please, Norton. Yeah, it's hardly encouraging um, spectators as it to come and then them who come to return again. Like you say, I think Stoke took a lot of stick and I think it was maybe second hand in that well if you why are you allowing your team to play at this stadium? I think a few people maybe thought it was Stoke's responsibility at, at the actual ground. And I suppose when they found out they were, it wasn't Stoke's responsibility. That then turned into so why are you letting them play there and not taking them somewhere that's better? Um I think the the, the most concerning for me was like the change. Did you see the pictures of the changing rooms? Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's like Sunday league level, really. It's disgusting, really. And like I say, you know, it really probably needs raising. I mean, the the club are. I imagine Stoke can't pay him, you know, a pittance to play there. Let's be honest. No, and they're not. They, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and if they can't, 
you know, if, if they can't provide facilities up to scratch, then just don't need to take the business elsewhere. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other places, but um, at the same time, money, money in it. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we, we're not aware of all the politics behind it all. Um, but yeah, either sort it out or move on if we can. Yeah, indeed. Um, now, do you remember last week? I gave you an update, didn't I, on our departing loanee, DeMarco Dehaney? I did. And, and you said to me, next week, I want an update on Mario Vrancic. Well, he went to Rijeka at the start of the season. He went to play in the Croatian League for Rijeka. And he played 15 games for them, scored one goal, one assist. And as I was looking and studying, because I, I, I kept up to date, I know they were bottom of the league for a long time and then they got a few wins and whatever. And Mario started off on the bench. Um, but I know he, he sort of left into it. It was his choice to go in the summer because he wanted to be back closer to home and that. And <laughs> he was sort of like I say, he had a really slow start, was out the team. They were bottom of the league, losing every week, even though they were in Europe as well. They were in the conference, Europa Conference League. And, and then he broke into the side. He had a bit of a run. And then I looked and I, I thought, oh, I'll just you know, get some updated stats and that. And it said, Mario Vrancic, Sarajevo. I thought, he doesn't play for Sarajevo. So I did a bit of digging. And actually, on this day of recording, he has left <laughs> Rijeka, had his loan terminated, and joined Sarajevo. And for the first time in his career, he will play in his native country of Bosnia for the <laughs> remainder of this season. So that is up to the day. And I thought to myself, it's a shame that this, by the time this podcast goes out, this news will be probably be broadcast everywhere and everyone will know about it. Because at this current time, I haven't seen it reported anywhere, really. I had to like, translate some Bosnian newspapers <laughs> to understand what was going on. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. he signed for Sarajevo. Now he's, he's had a, a mixed spell at Rijeka, and now he's playing for Sarajevo for the rest of this season, mate. Ah, OK. Hmm. Yeah, not exactly uh, flying high, but he's not going to his age, is he? No, I think he's like I say, he wants to play close to home, and for the first time ever, he's actually going to play in Bosnia. So, fair play to the lad. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. Uh, I mean, news-wise, it's obviously with the two games and everything. We have, we've sort of not there's not been too much coming out of the club in uh, this week. I mean, is there anything anything big that you want to talk about, Mike? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I suppose we could probably say that. The, you know, last night's 3-0 win was the lowest attendance in 15 years. And you could tell. <laughs> I was very tempted to message you uh, during during that moment and, and say, Luke, Christ, how many people are actually in that stadium? Apparently, it was 17,000. That seems a bit generous to me. There was, was hordes of empty seats. So, yeah, another kind of testament to how people are feeling, I guess, or have felt this season and maybe felt for the last three or four years. Um, so attendance needs to go back up. I think one of the one of the comments in, in the Sentinel again was around or Stoke Contract Live. I can't remember which one it was, um, but it was mainly around um, the fact that we're only opening up two stands for a Premier League Cup you know, fifth round cup tie. Again, says everything we need to know. And the only way that those attendances go back up is winning games at home. And, and actually, no, just winning in general, but especially winning games at home, which we know of recent times has been great. I think what was it in the last five games we've scored ten. Uh, conceded two, I think it was. So that's going to help. Just that same yeah, con- conceded even... one. Yeah. So I mean, if yeah, even that was a ridiculous goal to concede. But um, <laughs> but again, yeah, it it shows the only way you're going to do that is win games. That that is all that drives it. 
Ty Sarkic wouldn't let that go on. Well, I mean, defence can take some blame there as well, to be honest. It wasn't just the goalkeeper. No, I think... Um, no, I'm just, just pulling your leg a bit there. I mean, I think uh, he's sort of proven himself to be a, a more than able goalkeeper so far, hasn't he? He's, he's settled in quite nicely. I mean, a few jittery moments in his first sort of game, two games maybe, but the more he plays, the more I seem to like him. Yeah, he's not done much to shout about. I mean... Nothing that, to be honest, I wouldn't expect Bonham to do. So I think that rounds up everything sort of news-wise, doesn't it, this week? Um, so, yeah, let's head into the weekend's trip to Stokey's second home, Blackpool. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, a trip to the seaside awaits, Mike. We were there last year, unfortunately. We couldn't get tickets <laughs> this year. But that means that there's, was it 3,000, 3,500 Stoke fans heading up there on Saturday? Yeah, uh, just a couple. Yeah, just take, taking over. I mean, like I say, it, it's sort of Stoke on Trent's second home, isn't it? And if you're Stokey, Favorite, you know, your favorite uh, holiday jaunt, even if it's just for a day, got to be Blackpool, wasn't it? Well, you say that, but when we went, I don't know if it was December or January or something, um, for Blackpool to have hardly any fish and chip shops open um, says all you need to know about what that place is like when it's not the tourist uh, summer months. It's um, so if you're going down there, guys, I wouldn't bother trying to stay over um, because there's nothing to do in the evening. So get yourself back home to Stoke or wherever you're from and uh, go for the match and sod off home. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was November when we went last year. So at least we had the illuminations on when we went. <laughs> like I say, we, hopefully we can you know, get back-to-back wins this weekend. Um, and one team who are in dire need of a win are indeed Blackpool. And obviously, you know, we've you know, caught up, as always. We've got some audio. So here's Tom. Uh, he's a Blackpool fan, and this is his thoughts ahead of the game. The Mick McCarthy impact on Blackpool has been nothing but negative so far, unfortunately. New manager bounce, non-existent. Uh, feels a little bit like he's still struggling to find his best team. I mean, as fans, we can see who's been good this season and who hasn't. Uh, Looks like the bench are actually stronger than the starting eleven at the moment, which is a cause of frustration for the Blackpool fans. Hoping that he'll stumble across his best team and pick up a result from somewhere because at the moment it's not just wins we're looking for. We're struggling to wonder where the next draw is coming from. I think from the Swansea game, we should most teams in the league would have got a point from that game. Two or three really clear-cut chances towards the end of the game and we stumbled to... Yet another defeat, yet another red card. That's nine for the season. I must admit we're in a really low ebb, so expecting a really tough game on Saturday against Stoke, so we'll see where we get to. 
I think this whole season's been disappointing. We, you know, the bookies always tip us to go down. Bottom favourites, us Wigan, Huddersfield, and the likes are always down there. Unfortunately, we've lived up to our billing and not surpassed it as we normally do. So it's been a catalogue of errors on and off the field. And uh, yeah, I think Blackpool fans are starting to become really down and, and not necessarily look forward to the games as much anymore, which is. A really sad state of affairs given what a great ride we've been on over the last couple of years under Neil Critchley. The only positives this season are seeing Preston marooning mid-table, as they always are, and Neil Critchley jumping from one job, to one sacking to another. So, yeah, not much to take positively at the moment. The key man for us is clearly Josh Bowler. He's our outlet. Unfortunately, Mick McCarthy's been determined to play him in the wrong position, which is another area of frustration and hopefully he can stumble across like I said before the the right formation and let loose bowler against the championship defences because he can create something out of nothing against any team um, yeah we started off with a five at the back under Mick McCarthy but we've since switched to a four at the back so I'm not sure on exactly what the formation might be possibly a 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 and I'm going to go with a 2-0 defeat yeah um I mean, after listening to Matt, just and now Tom, you play for Blackpool. I mean, it's quite a depressing bunch of teams we're playing at the minute, isn't it? They're not in great form either of them. I'd be pretty depressed if I was a Blackpool or Huddersfield fan as well, to be honest. I mean, we were depressed enough being Stoke fans, and we've had ten years in the Premier League, so can only imagine what them lot are like. But uh, yeah, he, he didn't sound overly impressed, um, and. I guess for them, like like he said, you know, they're expecting to go down. Everyone backs them to go down. So um, maybe you know they'll they'll find their way back. I and mean, we we've got a I think we've got a pretty decent record there, Dan, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously, we, we we of course won last year, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think we've got too bad of a record there, have we? So yes, so we played Blackpool seventy five times, thirty two wins, twenty draws, twenty three defeats. At Blackpool, we have 37 games, 14 wins, 10 draws and 13 defeats. So that win last year shows Stephen Fletcher wanted to netted the only goal when we went last year, wasn't it? Later, um, if I remember. It was, and he should have been sent off as well. We got lucky then. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, I remember that, yeah. So um, that sort of gave us the edge in games played at Blackpool. Um, so... It's even that that record there, fourteen wins against the thirteen defeats, is even better considering we lost six out of the first eight trips to Blackpool as well. So since then we've only lost seven times in twenty nine games, including winning six of the last ten meetings, two draws, two defeats, uh, which dates back to two thousand and one. In fact, that that's home and away, by the way. We have no league defeat at Blackpool since 1964. Okay. So we have we have not left at Blackpool since before England won the World Cup. Um, we have six wins and six draws in that time. So Stokes away form, 15th in the league. So that's dropping a bit. And you know we've we were stuck around the playoff positions, weren't we, in the away table? Um, so we're down now in 15th. We've got 18 points from 15 games. Uh, whilst Blackpool's home form has them 22nd in the home table with just 14 points from their 15 home games. Um, the last five games, now this might surprise you, Mike, whereas Blackpool are 22nd in the form table with just two points in the last five games, uh, scoring three and conceding nine, 
Stoke are in the lofty position of eighth place in the form league. <laughs> that it's surprises me. Yeah. So we've got seven points from the last five games. We've scored eight goals and conceded four. Um, yeah, Black, so before last night, um, Tuchel's up the home table ourselves. We, Blackpool were one of only three teams, the others being Preston and Wigan, to, to have a worse home record than Stoke this season. Um, they are seven home games without a win. But in that time, those three lo- the three losses they've had were to Sheffield United, Luton and Middlesbrough. So, you know, they've lost to, the three losses they've had were to, you know, pretty good sides. Um, and they are, in fact, 14 games without a win, a league win overall. Um, so a run that predates the World Cup, goes back to the end of October. Uh, Stoke haven't won in three away games, which was a draw to Rotherham and defeats at Luton and Sheffield United. So, again, the defeats, you know, not easy places to go. Now, the first goal. Now, we know how key the first goal is, don't we, in, in our games. Brilliant. So, Blackpool scored first in five of their 15 home games this season. But all five of those goals have come in the first 30 minutes. So, if you can keep them quiet for the first half an hour, then chances are you then will be the ones taking the lead. Um, Stoke have only scored first in four of 15 away games. But the four games they have scored first, they've gone on to win them all to nil. Which says it all, doesn't it, about how important that first goal is for Stoke. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Of the 10 away games we've, we have conceded first, uh, four times have been in the opening 15 minutes, and nine of the 10 have come before half-time. So, so that shows that really we maybe need to start games a little bit better, or maybe we haven't been switched on, or you know, we've been... You know, the opposition, we've let the opposition take the lead and take control of the game you know, early doors, haven't we? Um, just to emphasise just how important that first goal is, when Stokes score the first goal of the game, they average 2.78 points per game, which is only Millwall have a better record this season. So basically, if games were conceded by the first goal, we would be second in the league. So yeah, if anything, it looks like we've got a great record at Blackpool. A uh, great recent record. We haven't lost since, well, before most of our fans were even born, in the league anyway, at least. And we need to go get that first goal on Saturday and then rule ourselves on to three more points. So I've got some referee statistics. Would you like to know who, the man, in, who the man with the whistle is? So this week it's Matthew Donoghue. Do you remember the name? I do. Yes. Uh, what are your first impressions, memory-wise? Um, I don't think he was bad. I think well, so. He's been in charge of three Stoke games this season, all the way from home. Three-one defeat at Huddersfield, but he did give us a penalty that day. The nil-nil draw at QPR and the two-nil one at Preston. So, all in all, a very mixed bag there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's refereed Blackpool once, which was a 1-0 home loss versus Blackburn quite early on in the season. Now, he's refereed 21 games this season, brandished, brandished 76 yellows, one red, and give three penalties. Uh, in the Championship, he's had 19 games. There's been seven home wins, seven away wins, and five draws. Um, but it's quite, this, quite interesting here. He's given 26 yellows, and one red to the home team, but the away sides give 45 yellows. No red cards, but nearly, you know, nearly twice as many yellow cards to the away team as he has the home team. 
Okay, that's a bit um, a big difference. Yeah, you wonder what I wonder, um, what we need to do is I need to spend some time, I think, at some point and just try and see what the average statistics are for that. Because is that normal? You know, is that a normal uh, for the do the away team generally pick up twice as many as the home team? Um, or is that an you know, is that an abnormal sort of sample? Um so yeah, I'm gonna try and do some research. Just see, you know, I'll try and see first of all, I think how many percentage of games are actually won by the home team against the away team this season. So we've got something to go against, haven't we, whether the refs, you know, um, just is statistics are normal, I'd say. Um, but yeah, yeah, as it stands, seven home wins, seven away wins, five draws. So we've got an equal chance going off that anyway. Um, in his nine games that he's ref Stoke overall, uh, he's give one red card to Stoke and one red card to the opposition. Uh, we have three wins, two draws, and four defeats. Um, Blackpool, he's ref them four times in his career, and he has given them one red card. Uh, they have no wins, two draws, and two defeats. So he's not been the greatest ref for them. Uh, and I don't think any ref particularly been very good for Blackpool this season because I saw earlier on they have had nine red cards this season. Wow. Compared to nine. our zero. Yes. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, that can't be right. 31 games, nine reds. They got So they've got two suspensions as well for this game. So Gary Medine is on his second suspension of the season. So he's not going to play against uh, against us on Saturday because he picked up a four-game ban. Um, now, bear in mind as well, his first suspension was retrospective ban in August. So they've had nine reds and they've had somebody banned for a red card that wasn't given, that was missed. <laughs> so that's how, um, like I say, that's how sort of bad their, their um, disciplinary is, shall we say. This season, I mean, Mick McCarthy's come in and got him fired up. Maybe he needs to sort of cool him off. I think throw water over before they go out. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, he's missing, and then it's Patino as well. So Charlie Patino, who I think he's a young lad. He's had a bit of a breakthrough season this year, but he's uh, yeah, he's picked up a couple of bookings in the second half against Swansea in midweek. So uh, yeah, he'll be missing the game as well. So that's a midfielder and sort of the main sort of target man striker they, they'll be missing. Just gets better and better, doesn't he? Yeah. So, uh, um, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think like if you're going to look who you want to be um, the danger man, should we say for Blackpool? I mean, Jerry Yates has sort of come from nowhere this season, hasn't he? He's been scoring, especially at the start of seasons, he was scoring goals sort of for fun. Uh, he's got nine goals, four assists in the league, um, playing near enough every game for Blackpool. But you know, I say he started the season on fire. He's gone off, gone off the boil a lot. But he's probably still going to be their main sort of threat, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, I mean, he scored, um, he scored in the cup game against Forest, uh, but I don't think he hasn't scored a league goal um, since. Uh, October, which incidentally, the last time he scored in the league was the last time they won, which was away at Coventry on the 29th of October. Oh, so, geez. yeah, okay, fourth, yeah, 14 games of out to win. If, I mean, obviously, they've been through man, they're on the third manager this season, and obviously, Mick McCarthy. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we talk, we've got a podcast here, and we're talking about Neil Warnock and Mick McCarthy. 
in 2023. <laughs> yeah, and I hear that um, what's-his-face is uh, potentially going back into management, isn't he, as well? Um, yeah. Uh, Harry Redknapp, what the hell? I mean, is Pulis going to be next? What's going on? <laughs> well, you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past him, would you? Harry Redknapp in at Leeds and Terry Pulis in at Southampton. Oh, my God, they'd hate that, wouldn't they? I mean, Pulis, it's only down the, you know, it's just down the coast, isn't it, from, from where he lives. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what though. I mean, you mentioned about you know not really barely won since that like, October time. I mean, Blackpool won four one against Forest in the FA Cup third round. Like, where's yeah. that team gone? <laughs> I know because I like. I mean, even I mean, Forest signed that many players. Even the reserve team's going to be sort of Premier League players, aren't they? <laughs> They've signed yeah. about fifty players this year. Yeah, and if you think about like Blackpool's, uh, you know, quality wise, I mean, they what they drew two two. Um, against Huddersfield, so we all saw how crap Huddersfield were the other night. So exactly how poor must Blackpool be if Huddersfield scored two goals against them? You'd hope yeah. that we're going to go and have more than enough to beat these these lot at the weekend. You'd think, but I know football doesn't work like that. But still, I mean, let me just read. You. This is a Forest team that they beat four one. This is how strange football is. Yeah. This team hasn't won in 14 championship games. It's gone from mid-table to you know in the bottom three, staring relegation in the face. Yet yeah, this Nottingham Forest side, Hennessy, Nico Williams, Cook, McKenna, Harry Toffolo, Jack Colback, Lewis O'Brien, um, Scarper, Emmanuel Dennis, Sam Surridge, and, and then Billy Fuster, who I think he was sort of the, you know, the, the toky sort of youngster thrown in. So you've got ten out of eleven players there who've you know Premier you've been playing Premier League football for them this year um, mm. to varying degrees, uh, and and they got you know, wiped off the pitch four one by Blackpool. Um, maybe there was something in the sea air that day. Maybe they maybe they filled themselves up on rock before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of rock, by the way, if anybody is going, me and Dan can't get to the game. So look, we don't charge you for this podcast. Uh, and we never will, but the very least you can do for <laughs> us is bring us. Well, actually, well, it's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut that bit out, Dan. Um, but yeah, if uh, if anyone is going and you want to pick us up some candy floss and rock, it would really be appreciated um, because we feel a bit left out. So feel free. You can let, let us know when you get back. DM us. We'll send you an address, and you can send the 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 box full of uh, of candy floss. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're saying Jerry Yates is the tar- is the uh, the danger man there. I mean, they've got to get the ball to him first, haven't they? So that's probably going to be the biggest problem. I, I, I think they've they're just really struggling, aren't they? Like you just said, there's, I mean, Josh Bowler, he was fantastic for them last season. He what a strange twelve months he's had. I mean, he was sold in the summer to Forest, who immediately loaned them out to Olympiakos, who just so happened to have the same owners as them. He didn't settle in Greece, so he went back to Forest, and then they wanted to learn him out again, and they found out that because he played for Blackpool at the start of the season, the only club he could go back out to was Blackpool. <laughs> so that, so he ended up back at the, at the club he never really wanted. I don't think he really wanted to leave that much. Well, they definitely didn't want him to go. Um, so what a strange sort of six months he, he, I mean, he's missed. I mean, Blackpool would have much preferred him to you know, play with them the first six months of the season, wouldn't they? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I I'm not sure he's a Mick McCarthy type player. I know uh, Tom just said there, didn't he, that McCarthy's sort of trying to find a position for him within his, his team and he's not really 
Um, from what I've seen, I think he's, his position he's found through quite a bit is on the bench, which <laughs> is unfortunate when he's probably the most gifted player they've got. Yeah, well, mate, it's 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 going to be interesting because I think, like I said, I think the summary of their team right now is they're really struggling for that kind of number ten position. I know they've got that. Um, is it Pafeda Acampo, uh, like Morgan Rogers and stuff like that, who can play in that position? But um, yeah, uh, they they've got problems. So look, I guess what we're trying to say is, going into this weekend, they've got much, probably many more problems than we have. We just need to turn up with the right attitude. Don't think it's one. We've been here before. Don't think it's one because that's when you come unstuck. But this is another game where we just built some confidence from Huddersfield. Let's go to Blackpool. Let's hopefully, yeah, let's go score another two or three goals. Why not? Um, and leave the fans who are going to be no doubt really boisterous. Just leave the fans feeling happy, give them something to cheer about. Um, and more than more than anything, that will probably cement our championship status i think we would have to be dreadful for the every single game going forward i think to to not hit that the minimum threshold was like 37 i think it was i think we said last week um or the last pod and we'll be above that comfortably so we should be okay as long as we get these these wins out of the way i think yeah i mean i remember the season was it 2006 I believe just before Christmas yeah season where we got promoted um, it was just before Christmas I went Blackpool away that, and we won 3-2 it was absolute humdinger and it was weird because they were building the um, you know the stand that we were in last season yeah. where the away fans are they were building that at the time well I say they were building they literally just knocked it down I think because it was all just scaffolding boards so it was just metal, metal poles and wooden planks that's all the stand was at the time <laughs> <laughs> and probably a word of warning to anyone who's going, by the way, especially if you are taking kids, if you've not been before, just to give you an idea of what to expect. Right. So um, you all go in one through one entrance and one exit effectively. So it gets very, very cramped. It's, it, there's not much space in there. Um, and I'd say in addition to that, um, we know that people don't sit in the seats. But I, I mean, Dan, you'll remember this. It was as cramped as you want to get it. People, not a single person sitting in their own seat. Everyone stands up put, all the way through the match. So if you've got a kid, you might want to try and get there a bit earlier to try and see if you can get one of the you know the front rows. Because if you are not near the front rows, they're gonna struggle. You will not be sitting down. It was. It was. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. It was actually a really uncomfortable experience last time round. Yeah, and you think as well that I think we went midweek, didn't we, last year, and there was probably half the stand. I think we've had yeah. the additional tickets, haven't we, as well? So, I mean, I, I don't know what the rest of that stand looks like. Hopefully, there is there is another entrance, hopefully further down, and another sort of kiosk area and refreshments area um, just to break it up because, like I say, it's a bit of a bottleneck, isn't it, going into that stand? So... I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to imagine another thousand people inserted into that bottleneck. Of no, out. and I, um, w- I, w- I wouldn't take me somewhere me either if it was going to be like that again. Yeah. So let's. Um, like I say I know obviously away games are sort of known, aren't they? For you know, you, people don't sit down. People sort of sit where they want. Um, but yeah, it was particularly. Um, you, you'd hate for say three or four minutes before half time that area starting to fill up and then imagine if you score a goal or something everyone wants to come running out and see what's happening that could create problems yeah you know, you've got people going one way people turn around the other and everyone's sort of trying to get through a tiny gap um 
not the most, yeah, like I say, it wasn't the most sort of pleasant thing. Yeah, so yeah, just to be prepared for that, I would say, if, you, if you're going and you haven't been recently. Um, but yes, just finish on my point before, it was uh, lovely to to be in a temporary stand of metal bars and, and wooden planks uh, with an open seafront behind you, bringing lovely, lovely cold sea, December sea air. <laughs> um, but yeah, luckily, I think we won 3-2 that day, um, which was one of our lovely away days on, on the way to promotion. And uh, yeah, it kept us warm all that celebrating. I'm sure, thank you. I think I remember Leon Leon Court scoring. I remember. I can't remember we got the other ones, but I remember him bank towering Ed off a, off a Liam Lawrence corner in front of us. Um, yeah, happy happy memories as as well. I mean, we said earlier on, didn't we? We haven't lost there in the league for 60, 60 years nearly. So we've everyone who's gone's probably got happy memories of one point or yeah. another. Um. But yeah, I mean, what what team wise would you do, mate? What are you? Are you keeping um, the same formation? Yeah, yeah, same formation, and I think this is pretty much the team that I went for um, the other day. To be honest with you, uh, so I'm going again with um, Sarkic in goal. Um, so he's going to go in there, obviously, and then I've got a back four of Sterling, Axel, Wilmot, and Fox. I'm actually dropping Jagielka. Um, not because he's obviously not performed well, but I just think he's he's been waiting for Axel to get fit. So I Dropping think or resting. I'm gonna go for resting Axel. Uh, sorry, resting Jagielka. Uh, he won't be dropping him out of form. Absolutely not. So uh, Sarkic, Wilmot, Axel, Sterling, Fox, and then we've got a uh, a midfield three. You will not be surprised. It's the same as the week. So it's Laurent, Person, uh, Loren, Pearson. Smallbone, and then the front three of uh, Campbell, Brown, and Gale. Um, I think again the the way that they play, the pace, uh, the the pressure. Um, those are the ideal players for that. I don't think we can go any stronger than that. Uh, certainly not up front. We haven't got the bench uh, to to challenge these strikers at the minute. It, they must be all pretty comfortable knowing they're going to start. So. That's pretty much no change, I don't think, from the from the midweek game. Yeah, just just excellent. It just excellent. Yeah, really. And um, surprise, that's exactly the same as I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, um, the only other thing I might have done was uh, maybe put Baker in the in the midfield for a bit more steel, um, possibly for small bone. But then, at the same time, I think we probably need more creative. We want creativity in the midfield because. We should be taking the game to Blackpool and try because if we get the, we sort of said you know our record getting the first goal there, um, but these are on such a downer. If we take an early lead, then we could be two or three nil up within half an hour, and and the game's sewn up then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like I say they've had a couple of away trips in the past week or so, whereas we've had a couple of home games as well. So all them kind of things can, you know, affect the legs and that, can't they? And and when you're not winning games. You probably feel that little bit of tiredness a bit more. Um, our lads, obviously, you know, four points up from two away games, probably feeling pretty good, pretty good in themselves. Two clean sheets. Defense are going to feel confident and solid. New goalkeeper and he's, you know, he's come in, not conceding. You think, like I say, if we go one 0 up, all of a sudden chests are out, all ten feet tall, aren't we? 
oh, we're well, one no, look, we don't concede, you know, we're not conceding goals, we've got this game sewn, sewn up already. And then they go and feel confident to go and get two and three. Um, with that in mind, I think we will get that early goal and I think we'll be two up by half-time. And I think it'll end 2-0. I think we'll get 2-0 up and I think the manager, we've got a lot of games coming up. We've got another midweek game, aren't we, next week? You'll probably just say, you know what, be professional, keep the ball, don't do anything stupid and let's make them work, make them do the running and uh, make sure we leave with three points. And I think we will. I think we'll 2-0, like I say, get wrapped up nice and early and then we'll just sort of coast to that victory. Um, goals probably from... Oh, do I say Dwight Gale? I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Gale and Smallbone are going to be scoring the goals for me. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to do the reverse of what you did uh, in the week, and I'm going to go for 3-0 to Stoke. Um, goal scoring-wise, oh, Brown, Campbell, and, yeah, Smallbone. Spread it around a bit. Oh, happy days. So, who's a uh, prediction wise? We best get them to Gray McGarry, aren't we? And have a listen to what he's got. And then, I, then I'll give you an update on the old table as well. This is Graham McGarry getting ready for his prediction for the weekend's game at Blackpool. Well, it turned out to be a wonderful Wednesday, didn't it? Two of the sides in the bottom three that included, of course, the opponents of Stoke City and Huddersfield, both beaten and Blackpool, bottom of the table, managing to get a, a point, but no win on the board. So Stoke head to the seaside, surely confident now that they can get a long overdue away victory. It's not the ideal time for those Potters fans to be going to Blackpool in the middle of February. But it doesn't matter, it's not about the weather, it's about the playing on the pitch that counts. And Stoke City have now got a nice cushion from those sides in the bottom three of the championship table. If they can get three points on the road come Saturday night, it will be in a good few days for Alex Neal. Stoke are going to do it, you know. They're not just bringing the rock back, they're bringing the points back. Blackpool nil, Stoke won. Cheers for that, Graham. So Graham's going for another another Stoke win as well. Uh, we 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 haven't broken. We thought we might have done, but now he's he's back with us. <laughs> um, back with us, you know, a couple 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 of Stoke wins last two games now. Uh, do you want to know what the table is like, the prediction no, table, Mike? No, let's let's move on, shall we? Because I am not happy how this all materialised. Um, bloody Jacob Brown with his trickery feet going in, winning a penalty. Swine. Diving, diving, swine. diving, <laughs> diving, cheating. He should be dropped for the rest of the season. No, he, did, he didn't dive. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I picked up a nice seven points for that because I said that Stoke would win 3 0. You had 2 0 and Graham had 1 0, which means overall Graham is still in the lead now. He's up to 40 points. I have up to second with 38, oh. and you are third with 35. This is so unfair. Like, I deserve that win, 2-0. <laughs> Penalties should not count, mate. This is really not on. should be goals from open play until, uh, it, works, until it works for me the other way around, of course. You can tell Lewis Baker that penalties don't count. I know, but what, just... mate, why can't you? know, He was missing them previously. Why can't you just miss them again? <laughs> 
Well, let me tell you uh, that, we, I mean, we've got a full house of state wins this week, haven't we? I mean, me, you, Graham, even even Tom, the Blackpool fans predicted a state win. Wow. So, I mean, you know, we're all, it's a very rare, I mean, even Matt, Matt, Matt was feeling, you know, I've never not met so many fans as down in the dumps as, as he was you know, pre-game, let alone post-game. But even he managed to get a one-all draw prediction in for Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so let's hope that uh, we're all adding to our predictions uh, points tally some way or another as we as we all get a win at the weekend, eh? That's... <laughs> yeah, I think we might get some points at least. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if any of these young lads retain their place on the bench as well. I mean, obviously, you imagine Tesco will be there, but... I mean, we've had Macari, we've had a Cadbu, we've had Adabambo, uh, Redding. Redding. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting which which lads get a run out. Um, with with like I say with the first team, and obviously if we do get another two three nil up, then maybe uh, he might chuck a couple of month last five minutes as well. Yeah, although he did that against Huddersfield, and it felt like a bit of a waste of time, if I'm honest with you. I mean, I I understand the Axel thing, but like, it didn't give any chance at all for um for you know Tezgal or anything like that to do anything. I think he only touched the ball, like I said earlier, maybe once. Um, so it'd be nice to see if we're that comfortable. Let's just let's just get him on a bit earlier, give him a good 15, 20 minutes. I mean, in in his position, he's not exactly going to go and lose us the game. So I want to see a little bit more of that. I mean, he's promised him more minutes. If that's just an accumulation of three, four minutes here and there between the rest of the season, it's not exactly giving him a chance. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I want to see more minutes behind them. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you get like 20 minutes wanted at the weekend. Um, so, so, yeah, against uh, Hull. And I, I suppose 20 minutes there in that match where actually we were looking for a goal and, you know, he had the chance to go and influence a game there, didn't he? Whereas, I mean, if even if you come with 20 minutes left against Huddersfield, it's, he had, probably had the opportunity to go in and get himself a goal, but at the same time, the game was already won once, let's be honest. The game was sewn up at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a trip to Swansea, haven't we, next week? So, he might, he might see him coming on and just, even if it's just to give somebody a rest for half an hour, like I say, if it is 2-0, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, be averse to him coming on, you know, 55, 60 minutes for a Gale or a Campbell, or, you know, and just giving them a bit of a rest because obviously we've got a lot of games coming up, haven't we? We're well, well in the mix of a tough period of games. The return of Joe Allen. Um, and of course, uh, mate, uh, you know what? If, if very again another very winnable game against Swansea, could you imagine if we all of a sudden have three back to back wins? What, what that will do for confidence, the season, the fans' expectations all of a sudden be oh are we too far away? <laughs> you know you don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and we're not going to talk Swansea because we've got that midweek pod next week. But still. It's not a bad position to have a bit of confidence for once. I mean, I did say, remember the few weeks ago, I did say that we had seven games in a row that we won last season. And I think we've had what a, a win, a draw, and a defeat so far. Or was it two? No, two wins. Two wins, a draw, and a defeat so far. From, and then, so it's the next three are games we've still won. 
if we get three more wins in a row, I mean, this is what football's all about, isn't it? Dreaming. And then we I come back. We come back Saturday night and say, I can't believe how we just lost to Blackpool. What's going on? We're going to get relegated. <laughs> yeah, it's all Tyrese Campbell's fault. Um, Super Six, would you like to know how it's going? I know how it's going this week, but yes, entertain everybody else. Uh, Nick Green is top of the pile, 336. Uh, the two Lukes have swapped positions. So Luke Higgins is up 329, and Luke Jones is 327. That's the top three. Uh, and then if we scroll right down to find me and you, <laughs> uh, 66th place is yourself, 232 points. You did fill it in this week. You got six points, although you didn't at the weekend, did you? No, no but I did admit did Dan. my res- <laughs> Yeah, I did it, Dan, but I did admit that the points-wise, um, I probably wouldn't have picked up much because I looked afterwards and gone, right, realistically, what points would I have gone for? Um, and I'm pretty sure it would have been maybe four points, I think it was. So not not much of a loss. Yeah, it wasn't very good. I got 12 points that week as well, didn't I? Just to majorly bite into your quite sizable lead over me at the minute. Um, so I pulled that down, I think, to 39 points because uh, I matched you this week and we both got six on this actual week. Um, so, yeah, I'm up to 78th on 193 points. So, yes, I'm the 39 behind you. Still coming for you, mate. I'm going to grab you. I'm going to get you by the end of the season. <laughs> you better not grab me. <laughs> um, Gaffer. So, Jack Curran, still leading the way, 2387. Uh, at Stoke Gaffer is 2360. And Pucky Blinders, 2292. They are the top three. I am in the lofty heights, well, for us, lofty heights, of 22nd place. So I've got 1,703 points, uh, picking up 69 points this week. And you are, let me just go over, you are in 36th place with 1,582. You picked up 32 points. You've still got Josh Timing in your teammate. Oh, mate. You've got you can, two Blackpool uh, players. You've got Jerry. You've got three Blackpool players. You, <laughs> you can tell that I haven't um, changed my team in about four months, can't you? Yeah, uh, Baker is your captain. This is what I mean. Like, I'm going to get no points at all. I've kind of given <laughs> up on that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like Super 6 is my thing now. I Like a lot of people who are listening to this, like fantasy football, you do it for a few weeks and then you forget all about it and all that. So um, you're welcome to keep reading my scores out. But uh, yeah, I've kind of given up the ghost, unfortunately. Well, you've got an opportunity here to change your team around and get back in the game before you end up at Vale Park in May after I catch you in Super 6 as well. Well, I do hear it's uh, two tickets, so it looks like you're going anyway. So, uh, No. <laughs> if, I avoid, if I don't finish bottom in Super 6, then I ain't going. <laughs> Um, is there anything, any other business? Anything else you want to uh, talk about? No, I think we've got to go over view, but like I said, I do want my rock and candy floss, just as another reminder. You can tell cool. I'm quite keen for this, can't you? <laughs> well, I told you about my trip there in 2007, and the manager on that day was one Tony Pulis. Now, last week we had part one of the Tony Pulis quiz, and uh, I think we best get ta- part two done of his uh, retirement quiz 
before he comes out of retirement and you know takes over at some struggling Premier League side. <laughs> yes, good idea. So let's get these. So there's eight questions. So I'll fire away. Question number one: Who opened the scoring in the five-nil FA Cup semi-final win versus Bolton? Oh, that was Matty Etherington. It was indeed a lovely, the first of many shots to just the Linens. Yeah. Left hand side. <laughs> Swivelled shot. Very good finish. Yeah. Yes. Uh, question number two: Which Premier League midfielder criticised Stoke's tactics in 2010, which left Pulis reacting with a six-minute video defending the club's players, staff, and management? Oh, I'm thinking the first name that came to my head was Jack Wilshire. Not Jack Wilshire. He's a oh, pundit Ramsey. now. Oh, he's a oh. pundit now. If that helps. Merson? No. Mm. He's a bit more recent than than a Merson. Yeah. Isn't he? So he um, played against him in 2010, and then he come out and was all crying about it. Oh, he's not. Um, oh, mind you. Oh, God, there's a think, few of them. Think match of the day too. Oh, I don't watch match of the day. I've not watched that in bloody years. No, go on, tell me. I'm not gonna. Not gonna guess. Daddy Murphy. Oh, Murphy. Sod him. Who cares about him? <laughs> um, question number three who was TP's final signing the player played 169 times for Stoke but never under Tony Pulis Oof. so his, the final signing he made was sent back out on loan to the club we signed him from for the remainder of that season Pulis got sacked in the summer well, his contract didn't get renewed in the summer. And um, he then went on to play 169 times for Stoke. Oh, God. Mate, I can't remember. Jack Butland. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't realise that was his last one. Jesus. I remember the day yeah. he signed. Okay. Uh, question number four. Uh, did Tony Pulis have a higher win percentage in his first spell as Stoke manager or his second? Second. Are you confident on this? Do you think there's much in it? I don't think there'll be much in it, but I would I would go second because of you know, Europe and all that business. Surely. So in his first spell, we won 35.88% of games he played. In his second spell, obviously a much longer period, but in the Premier League, 36.64, so you are correct. But it's quite tight, less than a percentage in it. Um, he, He managed it for a total of 464 matches across those two spells. Did we win or lose more games? Oh, I thought it said draws. Um, <laughs> uh, win, but again, not by much. We lost 165 games and we won 169 Games. <laughs> I said it was close. I didn't think it was going to be that close. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing quite well, yeah. You're doing quite well. Got three out of five so far. Uh, question number six. Which club 
was TP manager of when he was named Premier League manager of the year. Ooh. Wasn't that Palace when he kept them up? It was indeed. Crystal yeah. Palace. Um, what was Tony Pulis's highest Premier League finish as Stoke manager? Ninth. No, the only oh. manager to get his ninth was Mark Hughes three times. It was 11th in the 2009-10 oh. season. Right. Um, and the final question, who scored the final goal of the TP era? So this is our Stoke manager. Mm. It was a 1-1 draw away at Southampton. Um. Uh, Fuller, I don't know, I don't think so. But well. uh, no, Fuller had been got Fuller had been long gone by then. It was yeah. Peter Crouch. Ah, uh, Crouchy, yeah. Yes. So if ever a man epitomised Pulisic's uh, management's career and what he liked, it was a Peter Crouch, wasn't it? So it was quite apt that he would uh, round off his career. Uh, but yes, what a time he had at Stoke. So he's left us all, and he left us all Stoke fans with some great memories, great times, and. Uh, Enjoy your retirement, Tony. And if you ever feel the want and the need to come and do another podcast, uh, you know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you might be quite done with them now, but we, we, we'll listen to stories about Ricardo Fuller turning up drunk and. Yes, well, not not bad, mate. Not not a not a bad way to finish, I think. Yes, bro. Um, so off to Bloomfield Road on Saturday. The Potters are. Coming back with three more points, we shall reconvene um, Saturday night and you'll hear our dulcet turns again on Monday. So have a good weekend, Potters, and we shall see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.